Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, thank you, Randy, and welcome once again to Study the Word Podcast. And if you have your Bibles today, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 as we continue in this series called The Hope of Heaven. And uh, this series is really a series that presents the gospel message by using one word with four letters, and that word is hope, H-O-P-E, H-O-P-E, and I cannot stress that enough. And hopefully after this broadcast series, you will have a good understanding, a biblical understanding on how to share your faith with someone that you may meet. Maybe it's at work, at home, at play, wherever it may be. But you'll remember that the gospel message is a message of hope. And as you've heard me say many times before, that's what we're missing today in our world. I'm convinced by all the people out there who are discouraged, depressed, and many suicidal. But I see them in our world today, and there's just so much pain so much suffering, so many things that people are going through, and, and what they don't have is hope. And especially when they're facing death and they're looking into eternity, they just don't know what to expect. And you know as well as I do, you talk to people out there today about death and what happens after death, you're going to get a myriad of answers and responses from people because people hold on to all kind of things when it comes to the topic of death. But again, we as God's children, we have not just a responsibility, but I believe a privilege to bring the gospel message of hope, because we have a God of hope. And this message should resound from us so loud and so clear, and it should be brought to every human being everywhere in the whole entire world, because without this gospel message of hope, men will perish. Without them trusting and putting their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation, they will experience the wrath of God in a place called hell, uh, a place uh, in which even today many are debating, even within the visible church, whether hell is a real place, whether it's eternal, and the list goes on. But we truly, as Bible-believing, as born-again Christians, as turning to God's Word and allowing God to speak, we know that hell is real. We know that the wrath of God is just. But again, we want to bring people hope so that they don't have to truly experience uh, the wrath of God, that they can experience the freedom, the salvation. They can uh, experience the joy that comes by being born from above, by placing their faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, in realizing that all of their sins have been forgiven and that they are no longer under condemnation. But now they have life, and that life is eternal and it is found in and through God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now, in this series, The Hope of Heaven, uh, as we look at this word hope and these four letters, so far we've covered the H in the word hope, and we've talked about the holy God of heaven. And we're on the second letter, and this is kind of part two of the second letter, and the second letter is the O. And the word O represents the word offers. Uh, the holy God of heaven offers all men who are sinners his grace. He offers all men who are sinners his grace. Now today on the program we're going to talk about the aspect uh, of men being sinners, and I've already touched base on this in the last program, but I want you to really gain a better understanding about this, because last time we talked about God's grace. He offers his grace that salvation is first and foremost by and through the grace of God. Salvation begins with God, it continues with God, it ends with God. God is the God of salvation. And I wanted you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 because I want to read to you uh, a verse in, uh, in the Scriptures here of what Paul says about this grace. And, and remember last time I was concerned that there are many people out there who really do not have um, a good wholesome understanding about the gospel message. And the message in uh, the gospel grace is to truly be emphasized because without God's grace, and as I mentioned before, that God is a God of grace, that is a part of his character, his attributes. He not only demonstrates it and shows it forth and bestows it, but it's who he is. 
And we don't understand that what happens is, quite often, is the gospel message turns into a man-centered gospel message of works, what man can or has to do in order to appease God, to make themselves right with God. And I've said this before, the, the truth of the matter is we have really got it all backwards. We put the cart before the horse. We're not looking at salvation from a biblical perspective. We're not allowing God to speak and for us just to receive that truly men are saved by grace. All men are saved by grace. And I wanted to give you a couple more examples before we move on to this aspect of man and what man is all about and why God offers all men his grace. Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, who saved us. Now, if you go back to the, the verse 8, I'll read the, the last part, or actually I'll read the whole verse. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Now, we could spend a long time on the last part of that, understanding that this all took place uh, in Christ Jesus um, from all eternity, before the world began. We could talk about the names being written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. We could talk about many different aspects of this, of what took place and what God put together and how salvation truly is a sovereign act of God before this foundation of the world. We could talk about the topic of election and predestination and being called and chosen by God and all that kind of stuff. But what we want to focus on here, as we did last program, was the issue of grace. Once again, stressing that we have all been saved the same way. He's called us with this holy calling, but it's not according to our works. It's not according to what we have done or will do, uh, what we've achieved, but it's according to his purpose in grace, God's grace. And that's why I said last time that so often when I am talking about salvation, I really want to stress to people uh, that are, you know, the opportunity that God gives to me to share with them, I want to stress to them Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, as we mentioned before, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. So, so the bottom line here is, once again, we've been saved by grace. Matter of fact, it's interesting because earlier on in chapter 2 of Ephesians, in verse 5, it says, even when we were dead, now this means spiritually dead, necros, a corpse, that in our, we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So once again, the stressing here of God's grace, it's not about our works, it's not about the things that we do. And many of people, um, if you would just ask them the question, when you die, do you believe you're going to be in heaven? Now sometimes some people may hesitate and say, well, I hope so, I think so, um, or some people boldly will say yes, and when you begin to ask them, well, why do you believe you're going to be in heaven? It is undoubtedly almost each and every time, um, it's very rare at best to hear someone not mention something about what they have done. And they all want to recognize God as a God of love, he's merciful, he's forgiven, he's gracious, but it always comes down to is something that they have done. And so because they have done something, or will even say haven't done something, they should be in the kingdom of God. Now, there are people who are very sincere who really believe because they have prayed a prayer, and that prayer that they prayed was a sincere prayer that they're going to be in heaven, or that they were baptized in a church. And because they were baptized— and they were sincere about that, and because it was in you know the house of God, as some of them would say, they believe they have the right, we'll say, or they deserve to be in heaven with God. And we could go on and we could talk about other things too, but unfortunately but true, that's all a part of a works-based salvation, which cannot save anyone, because it's not the work of God by grace. 
It's man attempting, man doing something, man trying to accomplish that which he believes will be pleasing to God. Now, I've used this verse many times before, and I'll use it again, but in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has a a statement. You know, it's a a book of wisdom, and uh, if you've never studied the Proverbs, I would encourage you to do so. But in Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14 in verse, I believe it's verse 12, when you look at there, there's a statement that really kind of just, well, it, it just shouts across the mountaintops because it really is... Um, the true understanding of all men um, prior to really being presented with God's gospel message of grace. And this is it. There is a way which seems right to a man. See, that's why if you would ask people if they think they're going to heaven or they deserve to go to heaven or they're going to be in heaven or whatever they believe, there is a way that seems right to them, that they have done this or as I should have mentioned also they haven't done certain things. I've had many people over the years say, well, you know what, I've never killed anyone. I've never cheated on my spouse. You know, I wasn't a drunkard. Um, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. So there's some people who believe not only what they have done, but what they haven't done should allow them entrance into the presence of God. But here's what it says. There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, see, there's the reality. What's right to man is not necessarily, and, and I, I would say 100%, it's not the way of God. It's the way of man. And the Bible tells us that many travel. The, the road is broad. It's wide. Many travel that road because they all flock together. You ever heard of the birds, you know, birds of a feather flock together? You know, uh, the herd mentality Well, that is mankind as a whole, and I don't care where you travel in the world, who you would talk to. We see religious people everywhere, and the reason why they're religious is they're trying to attempt or find a way to be pleasing to a god, a higher power, whatever it may be in their own eyes, that someday when death comes, when they cross over, as some would put it, they will be in the presence of joy and bliss, and they will experience you know, the goodness of this God. But the truth of the matter is, and and folks, maybe some of you even listening to this podcast, maybe you have thought that. Maybe you have believed, hey, listen, I I got baptized. I I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I walked an aisle. You know, I went to catechism class. I went to Sunday school. You know, I tried my best to be a good person. I haven't done A, B, C, or D, or I, I have done these and this, and you know, I've helped people out. I've given people money. I, I've, um, you know, I've carried some older folks' groceries in the neighborhood. Uh, I've tried my best not to lie, cheat, or steal. I mean, we could go on all evening long, but the bottom line is that is a works-based mentality. You believe that this is the way that is right in your own eyes or mind, and again, most people believe that. And, and really, and I have to stress this, because Paul the Apostle, he has dealt with this, even when he writes to many of the churches in the New Testament. We realize from his writings that this is the reality of what is taking place in the minds of most people. Well, when we talk about the Jews, and we look at the Jewish people, we realize that Paul understood them too that they were missing the mark about salvation by grace through faith, and they were attempting, just as Paul was when he was called Saul of Tarsus of Cilicia, he once was the same way, of the same mind. And here's where he tells us in Romans chapter 10, he says this, listen carefully. Verse 1, brother, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Now, Now, the Jews believe, because they were the chosen of God, they're God's people, the children of Israel, they're all going to be with God. And, you know, in most cases, you would find the Jews doing their best to fulfill the commandments, the laws of God, living up. But if we study the Word of God, we realize they, they missed the mark, because the gospel message, the gospel of grace, came right from the very beginning, when man fell. We know that the gospel message was preached uh, to Abraham, and the list goes on. And it's a message that has been always the message 
that in which men are saved. Um, but at the same time, through the laws that were given by God, and God who is holy, God who's pure, God who's righteous, his law is perfect. But the law was given to man to demonstrate not just the character of God, but to demonstrate to man that man was unable to fulfill the law, that he wasn't what the law said. He didn't live the way that the law said you should live. He was not truly being obedient to God. He wasn't loving God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength and serving him. And the list goes on and on. Uh, but in the midst of it, they try to be law keepers, and they try to also with even the sacrifices that God required of the Old Testament for them to bring the sacrifices. Um, but the truth in the matter, we read time and time again, God got tired of their sacrifices because the sacrifices were not pure. They would bring uh, lame animals, and they would bring uh, things to the altar they shouldn't have brought. They, they would try to lie and try to hide things from God. They would continue to be disobedient, and the list goes on. And God knows the hearts of all men. He knows what's taking place. But here Paul says, my prayer for them is for their salvation. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. So in other words, they were passionate for God, for the things of God, but not in accordance with knowledge. In other words, uh, they themselves, they weren't obeying God's word. They weren't following what God was saying to them through his prophets, through the word that was put down on the parchment, through the law that was given through Moses. Uh, they were coming up with their own. Uh, they, they were creating. Uh, and actually, the Jews did that. They, they created many laws. Uh, that some of them are still tried to this day to be lived out, not only in Israel, but even in places where you have large number of Jews like New York City. And they're trying to fulfill these laws, these man-made laws and written rules, believing that somehow by doing so, they are going to be right with God. They are going to please God. But here's what Paul says in verse 3 that really is the key. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. Well, God's righteousness is found in the one who God would send, in the Messiah, in his only begotten Son, the one who would come forth as the Lamb who would be led to slaughter, the one who is the God-man, Jesus the Christ. He is the fulfillment of all righteousness. He is the second Adam. He fulfilled what the first Adam could not fulfill. He came forth as the perfect sacrifice because the sacrifices that were brought before God became stench in the nostrils of God because they weren't pure. They weren't done with the right motives and desires. I mean, the list goes on and on. We could talk about this really all evening long here on this podcast, but, but here's the key. They're seeking to establish their own. They're trying to come up. Remember, the Proverbs 14, there's a way that seems right unto man. So they come up with their own rules, their own regulations uh, that are based upon man-made things. You should do this and don't do that. And be honest with you, not only Jews, but the truth in the matter, religious uh, belief systems all across the world, even Protestant Christianity. I remember growing up in the church. And in the church, I went to, went to the church all the time, and, and, and there was always a bunch of rules, the do's and the don'ts. And it was drilled into us that the, these were certain things that God wanted and things that God didn't want, and you had to dress a certain way and act a certain way, and you go on and on and on. But the truth of the matter is, men were trying to seek to establish their own righteousness. They were trying to find ways and means of making themselves right with God, to appease God. But as it says in the end here, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. And for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, he is the righteous one. Righteousness is him. He is righteous. He is God. He's the God-man. He is the perfect sacrifice. He lived the life that Adam could not or none of us could live. Uh, he was the one that God sent. He is the only one who would bring that satisfaction or appeasement to God 
as the perfect sacrifice. That's why we're saved by God's grace through faith. So when we put our faith in Jesus the Christ, we are putting our faith in the one who is the righteousness of God, the one who is perfected. And this is really important, and I can't stress this enough, because again, Paul, as he writes, as I mentioned earlier, for instance, you go to Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul says to them as he writes to those at Galatia, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Once again, how are they called? By the grace of Christ. A little bit further down in verse 15, Paul's talking about his own salvation. He says, but when he who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. So once again, he was called by his grace. And the truth of the matter is, that's how all of us are saved. We are saved by the grace of God. And again, hopefully you listened to the previous podcast, part number three, uh, and the beginning of the O in the word hope. And you understand, you know, because I, I covered as much as I could. And again, it's it's not an exhaustive teaching, because there's many more verses, many more examples that we could show you within the Word of God. But hopefully I've given you enough to chew on, to think about, and to work with as you study and realize that remember that God, the holy God of heaven, provides hope to all men by offering all men his grace. There's an offer. God brings that offer and that offer is his grace, that God is and God is able and God will save those who call upon him, those who turn to him, those who desire to be obedient to him, to listen to what he has said, to believe, to repent and believe in the gospel, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll talk more about that as time goes by. But I want to go into that aspect just quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but enough time. Because in the letter O, that God offers all men his grace, all of these men that he's offering his grace to, they're all sinners. Um, That's why all men need God's grace, because all men are sinners. Now, I cannot stress this enough. There is so much within the Word of God, and I'll be honest with you, I find this very interesting. I have tried my best since the day God saved me to truly share, to preach, to teach in churches as a pastor, as I share the gospel message with other people around me, I really believe wholeheartedly that you cannot properly share the true biblical message, the gospel message with anyone, with any group, unless you talk about sin, unless you bring to the fact that as we talk about God's grace— We talk about the fact that we have the good news, but in the midst of the gospel message, the good news, there's bad news. And the bad news is about mankind. Now, I've already mentioned this in the last podcast, what happened in Genesis chapter 3. I just had an opportunity of speaking to one of my sons in depth the other day, and in our conversation, he got into it. He actually began talking about what I had shared in the last podcast, which was just delightful to hear because he's, he's passionate about the things of God, and he firmly believes that if we get Genesis chapter 3 wrong, um, everything begins to crumble and fall to pieces, and that's the problem. Now, I do believe, because I grew up with this, that some people grew up in an era where all they heard was fire and brimstone messages. And fire and brimstone messages would be messages that constantly, constantly went after individuals about being sinners and their need to repent. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with that 100%. But I also believe that in the gospel message, the good news, if all you're going to do is focus on the bad news— continually, and there is no good news, then there you've lost the gospel message of hope. You've lost the understanding of the God of hope. Then man himself is listening, whether you're sharing one-on-one, you're preaching from a pulpit, wherever you may be. Um, you, you could be out in the street. Matter of fact, there's a lot of 
men out there today who go out in the street corners with their bullhorns and their little devices, and they quote-unquote preach the gospel. What's interesting, though, many times on Facebook, as I just listen for a few moments, I hear a lot of condemnation. And matter of fact, I've said this before, it really does not take much, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, it does not take much to prove to anyone that they're a sinner. Most people don't understand that. I I have been one who I firmly believe I don't need to yell, scream, pound the pulpit, yell at people, degrade people, get in their face, hold up signs and chant and whatever, you know, some people do. I believe if you just talk to a human being with a matter of just a, a moment or two, you can demonstrate to them that they are a sinner according to God. And I think that's another issue. Sometimes people see us condemning them, which what we have to do is we have to bring him to the Word of God and show them that in the Word of God, God condemns sin, period. Now, there's some people who want to focus on particular types of sin. I've met, I've met a lot of people over the years. I mean, they'll, they'll get on the horse and they'll ride about homosexuality. Uh, yet they have a church filled with people that are cheating on their spouses, but they don't want to go there, but they will go and stand opposed to the homosexual uh, you know, individuals in our community. Um, I could use many of the drunks, you know, drunkards, uh, the people who do drugs, whatever the case may be, but they don't talk about the liars, and they have people in their church who lie all the time and cheat and steal. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is we have our little hang-ups, we're all guilty of this. But the truth of the matter is, if you study the Word of God and you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, you realize that after the fall in the garden that all men come into this world the same way. All men are sinners. They're born sinners. They go astray from birth right from the womb. And matter of fact, a lot of folks just sometimes just don't realize that. And I want to share with you just a bunch of scriptures, and some of these scriptures you may be aware of, and maybe some of them you're not, but hopefully um, I will help you by just looking at this. For instance, in Psalms chapter 51, Psalms 51 verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, that doesn't mean that his mother was a sinner and she was fooling around and she wasn't married or something like that. He's, he's talking about the fact that he was brought into this world as a sinner in iniquity. And, and I mentioned this before. That's why it tells us specifically in the book of Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 12, that it was because of Adam that through one man sin entered into the world. And, and I'll just read it to you again here, but it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin— and so death spread to all men because what? All sinned. See, all men are guilty before God. All men are sinners. Um, and again, for us to understand this is of the utmost importance, and the reason is is because we have to realize that everyone comes into this world on the same playing field. Again, we cannot go back to the garden in the creation in which God created man and then he created woman from man, because if we do so, we have to go back to the fact, as I mentioned before, that they were created in innocence. They knew not sin until they sinned. But we know sin. We're born in sin. We go astray from the womb. And there's other passages in the book of Psalms um, but there are many passages in the book of Romans. Paul actually, in Romans chapter 3, if you've never taken the time to study this, Romans chapter 3 really paints the picture uh, of what mankind is all about. And again, I don't want to spend the whole entire time, but I, I want to give you just a few things that I think will be helpful for you as you bring this message, this gospel message of hope to other people, or maybe you're listening for the very first time, and this is the gospel message of hope to you, you have to understand who God is. 
God is the holy God of heaven. The reason why he offers his grace is because all men, including you who are listening to this, myself, every human being ever to be on this planet except the God-man, the one who truly came, born of a virgin, who was God incarnate, revealed to us in the flesh. He was without sin. He knew no sin. He could not sin because he's God. Everyone else is a sinner. I've shared this years ago, and I'm not going to get deep into this right now, but in talking with those within the Roman Catholic belief system, Mary was a sinner. She even mentions that. You'll see that in her um, as she, she gives praise and glory to God. She recognizes God, her Lord, her God, her, her Savior. She needed a Savior because she was a sinner. All men are sinners. When I say all men, I'm including women in this, too, in case somebody would think that I'm just talking about men, you know, and male gender and not women. Every human being is a sinner except for the one who came miraculously without sin because he was God. He's the God-man, fully God and fully man. And one of these days on, the, on this uh, podcast, I'll get into that and help you understand. But here's what we learn from Paul in Romans chapter 3 that goes back to the Old Testament. Paul makes it clear, starting in verse 9, that when it comes to Jews and Gentiles, all of us are under sin. Now, being under sin means we are being controlled by sin. That is our nature. That is who we are. We're born sinners, and what sinners who are born into this world do, we sin. That's what comes natural to us. But we're all under sin. We're in bondage to sin. We are slaves to sin. That's what we do. That's why when I meet people that are not Christians, and I hear their filthy mouth, and I see their lying or listen to their lying tongues, and I watch them do things that I know is not right before God or maybe not even right in the eyes of man, I, I'm not completely shocked because I expect sinful people to do sinful things because I myself at one time, that's who I, I was in bondage to sin. And I was like many other people. You try to hide it. You try to keep it under wraps so nobody can see you. You try to get away with things. You, you, I mean, the list goes on, and I, I'm not going to get, but the truth of the matter is we're born sinners, and what sinners do is we sin. We're all under sin, both Jews and Greeks. We're underneath that bondage. We're in chains. We cannot break free. That's who we are by nature. And because of that, Ephesians tells us, chapter 2, because we are all sinners, that by nature we are children of wrath. So in other words, we come into this world uh, as sinners, and we're going to sin, but because of our nature, because we are sinners, we are children of wrath. And that is very important because that is found in the book of Ephesians. If, you, if you're writing this down or you want to look it up, Paul says in verse 3, "...among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind." In other words, Paul's painting the picture here. We did what we wanted to do. We did things that were according to the flesh, and if you live by the flesh, you're going to die. If you live by the Spirit, you're going to live, but you can't live by the Spirit when you don't have the Spirit of God in you, because that's truly a child of God. How we know that we are truly born from above is we have the Spirit of God within us, and those who don't, um, according to Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 9, if you don't have the Spirit of God within, him, you, within you, you don't belong to God. But it says here, when we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So Paul says there was one time I was just like everybody else. I was a child of wrath. I was guilty. So Paul here, as he writes in Romans 3.9, he says, both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Then he says, as it's written, now this is from the prophets of old. I want you to understand this. There is none righteous, not even one. Not even one person is righteous. There is none who understands. Now, we're talking about spiritual understanding. The natural man cannot understand the things of God. And if again, if you're, you're writing notes and, or you want to look some things up and study, and again, I'm, I'm giving you as much as I can, as quickly as I can, but you, you'll find this uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, it tells us 
that the man who is of the flesh cannot understand the things of the Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He can't understand them because they are spiritually appraised because he doesn't have the Spirit in him, and that's 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit, can't understand them. So no, there's none who understands. Now listen to this one. There is none who seeks for God. A lot of people today preach this and teach that, that men have this hole, they have a void in their lives, and they're looking to fulfill or, you know, looking for the missing piece of the puzzle. And once they find it and they put the piece in, which happens to be God or Jesus, they'll be fulfilled. But God says there's no one who seeks for him. I don't know about you, but i got to be honest with you. I've said this before, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but when I was a kid growing up, there were things about going to church that I did like, uh, there were things about going to church like Sunday school I liked too, and youth group and that, but truly, if I had my choice, probably wouldn't have went. And, and the reason I say that is because it wasn't about God. It was about you know having fun. It was about hanging out with friends. It was about checking out the new girls at church. <laughs> it was about things, really, that weren't good. It was about being obedient to your parents. Because you know if you went to church and you weren't happy and put on a smile and act like you liked it, you'd be in trouble. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, there's all kind of things that we could talk about. But it goes on, and it, it really shows us, like in verse 12, there's none who does good. Uh, everyone is turned aside. Together they become useless. There's, there's no one who does good. Their throats is an open grave. Their tongues keep deceiving. The mouth is full of cursing. The feet is swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. The path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's true, too, of sinner. I meet people all the time that really don't fear God. They have no fear at all of God. But as you read this, you begin to realize in verse 23 of Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, all have missed the mark. You know, this once was taught to me many years ago, and I like to tell people about this. If we had a bullseye, and we'll just hypothetically say that the bullseye, um, for wherever you know may be, say that the bullseye was a mile away, and you, I mean a mile away, you know, big bullseye. Matter of fact, the bullseye is on a big, huge building, a monstrous building, five stories high, and there is painted on the side of a building a bullseye and you are one mile away, and everyone is given a stone, and you have to hit the bullseye. Now, there's some of you out there who could throw the stone further than other people. And I think the illustration is is a decent illustration. It's, It's not very, well, I think there could be better illustrations, maybe as you sit down and think about it. So, But I, I think it does get to the point. The bottom line is no one here or no one that I've ever known could throw a rock a mile and hit a bullseye. In other words, everyone misses the mark. And the mark is the perfection of God, his holiness, his righteousness. And he expects us to be per- None of us can hit that mark. None of us can reach it. None of us can obtain it. Now, no matter how hard we try, some of us may do better than others, but we're never going to get there. And so we realize from the same writing that Paul did to the Romans, if you go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Now, we've already talked about that. Because men are sinners, because men sinned in the garden, Adam went first, Uh, Death spread to all men. All of us are going to die. But it says in the end of verse 23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is the hope. Though we are sinners, we do have hope that in Christ, who is the answer that has been provided by God, that there is hope for the future. There is hope in understanding that someday we can be with God. But again, we have to realize that all men are sinners, and sin is lawlessness. Quickly, it's breaking God's law. That's really what happened in, in, in the garden. God said, don't do this, and they didn't. Uh, they, they completely went against God's word. 
And and it tells us in the in the Bible in First John chapter three verse four. Uh, again, if you're writing these down, and I'm giving just a quick some quick examples so that it will be helpful to you um, as you study on your own. Because again, I I hope that some of you as you go through this study and listen to it as you're opening your Bibles, or maybe you're writing down because you need to look at them at a later time. But in First John chapter three verse four. It says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. But I love verse 5, and you know that he appeared, meaning Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Very important passage there. Uh, But it also tells us in the book of James chapter 2, James chapter 2 verse 10, listen to this very carefully. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. So the bottom line is, we're all lawbreakers because none of us can keep the law. If you went through the Ten Commandments just quickly on your own, I have never met not one person ever who would say, I've kept all ten of them. You can't. But if you break one, you're guilty of breaking the whole law. You're a lawbreaker, and that is what sin is. Sin is lawlessness. And we know from the book of Ezra, Ezra, uh, or excuse me, Ezekiel, not Ezra. I don't know why I was thinking of Ezra, but Ezekiel. We know that when it comes to sin, God is very serious with sin. And God says, and this is just one place, there's other places in the book of Ezekiel, but in Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, listen to these words. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins will die. So the truth of the matter is God has already brought about the judgment. He has to respond to sin because he's holy, and he has already responded to sin. It happened in the garden in Genesis 3. If they disobeyed God, they were going to die. And here he says, all the souls belong to him, and the soul who sins will die. And that's why the truth of the matter is, all men are going to die. God is so holy that he can't even look upon sin without dealing with it. He must justly deal with it, because he's God. Because it is against him, who he is, his divine nature, uh, his purity, uh, his perfection his righteousness. He must deal with it. And and I try to share this quite often with people, even with people who get belligerent with me. Uh, and some have, and the reason they do is because when you begin talking about sin, and again, you just open God's Word and share with people, and people begin to realize, I'm guilty. I'm guilty before God. They get angry usually at the messenger. They really do, which will happen to be you or me, whoever's sharing the gospel with them. But it tells us in Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter, and, and there's many different places, but I just give this one as an example. Romans chapter 14, verse 12, it says, So then, each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I tell people, you know, in, in, at the end of it all, you are going to face God. God is the ultimate judge. I'm not. It's not the local church. It's not a group of people. It's not your peers. It's not your your parents. It's not your friends or foes. It's God that you will have to give an account to. Matter of fact, before that, it says, it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So, and the reason if you study that passage is because what we do so easily, we love to judge other people. We love to condemn other people. We like to point fingers at other people. But the truth of the matter is, we're all going to stand before God as the ultimate righteous, just judge. And we already know that the wages of sin is death. We know what all men deserve. We know by nature coming into this world as sinners, all men are by nature children of wrath. And again, this death is separation from God, physically, spiritually, eternally. So we realize that the reason why God must bring forth an offer His grace to sinful men is so that men will have hope. Because once you show men, listen, this is what you're all about. This is what we're all about. There's not one who's exempt from this except for the 
only begotten Son of God, Jesus the Christ. He's the only, I won't even say an exception because he's God. God can't sin. But he took upon himself the flesh of man. He walked amongst his creation. But he demonstrated he lived the life that Adam could not live. He became himself the ultimate sacrifice that would be appeasing and satisfying to God so that he could be the Savior of all mankind. That all men who put their faith in him would truly be imputed unto them or onto their account the righteousness of God, because we're not righteous. We're not good. We don't do anything good. Well, it may be good in the eyes of other men who are our judge, but when it comes to God, there's not one who's good. There's not one who's righteous. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us are guilty before the throne of God. Now, folks, I cannot stress this enough, and that's why the grace of God is so desperately needed today more than ever before. And most people just don't understand that. They, they really don't comprehend and they don't get it, that without God's grace, there is no hope. That's why the O in the word hope tells us that the holy God of heaven offers all men who are sinners his grace. And the next time we get together here on Study the Word podcast, we're going to see what this hope promises, what this hope guarantees. And I think you may be amazed because we're going to move to the next letter, and the letter is P. And I hope as you listen to these podcasts, especially this series, it will help you, help you in sharing your faith. I pray that it will help you maybe in the road by bringing wisdom to you, the wisdom of salvation. Maybe after today's broadcast, you could honestly say, listen, I'm one of those individuals, Marty, i got to be honest with you. I have been trying to gain work. I've been trying to find a way to appease God, to make God happy with me. You know, I've always based my salvation on the fact that I prayed a prayer one day. And I went to the altar and I wept. Well, you know what? I did that too when I was a young boy. But that doesn't save you. See, see, you're, you're relying on what seems to be right in your own eyes, what you think is worthy in your own eyes. God says, no. Salvation is by grace through faith. But that grace is nothing that you have done. You'll never be able to boast before God. I remember a man once who was at our church for quite some time, and I was continually going through a book of the Bible, and I was talking about the grace of God. And um, he got all upset, and he actually said, I'm never coming back to this church. And I said, why? I said, I'm, I'm confused. What, why would you make a statement like that? He says, because someday I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to tell God the reason I'm here is because I chose you. I chose to believe in your son, Jesus Christ. It reminded me of the old Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. And I looked the man in the eyes, and I literally, I had tears that just welled up. I said, you'll never, ever do that. You'll never, ever boast. And if you believe that, you'll never, ever be in his presence. All you ever will do is experience his wrath. Well, he didn't like that. That kind of ended the conversation, but it's true. No man could boast. You'll never, I'll never boast. It is by the grace of God. His riches, his kindness, his unmerited favor, his blessing, his kind disposition towards us, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it. We can't pray for it. We can't gain it on our own. It's all based upon the will of God, what God has done. That's why I leave you with this today here on this podcast. The book of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, look with me for just a moment quickly. But John says this as, as we hear the words of the, of the man of God, as God is using John to write down on the parchment, but 
Listen to these words. Here's what it says. I'll start in verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Now that true light is Jesus Christ, obviously. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. He's talking about the Jewish people here. And those who were his own did not receive him. They rejected him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, there's nothing within us. It's not because of your ancestry. It's not because your flesh, because there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. It's not because of the will, your desire. You don't have a desire. No one seeks for God. But you're born from above. You are saved by God's grace. It's a work of God. He's the one that gives the right to people to become children of God. He is the one, through his grace, people repent. Because of his grace, people believe. He gives them grace to have the faith to believe. Faith is a gift from God. It's not something hidden inside and people open up this little box of faith and they let it loose and then they're able to believe in God. No. As you study the Word of God, you begin to realize how amazing God's grace is. Until next time, I hope and pray that these words you've heard today from God's Word has encouraged you, has challenged you, and will truly help you as you bring the gospel message to a world that is lost, that you will tell other people about His Son, Jesus Christ. And for those of you who may be truly been on your own path, I pray today that the Word of Truth has broken through, and you'll realize the only way any man is ever saved is by the grace of God. Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truths so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Dr. Marty Mento.